Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Good morning and welcome to our online service for our Easter celebration. Though we are separate bodily, we are together in spirit and in worship. And no pandemic can keep down the church on Easter. As Jesus promised, even the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Let us continue in this service as we pray together. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Let us join together for our opening hymn of praise.
Let us pray. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, overcame death and opened to us the gate of everlasting life, grant that we who celebrate with joy the day of the Lord's resurrection may by your life-giving spirit be delivered from sin and raised from death through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please join together for our song of praise.
Please join me as we read Psalm 118. We will read responsively by half verse. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. The voice of joy and deliverance is in the dwellings of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord brings mighty things to pass. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord brings mighty things to pass. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The same stone which the builders refused has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from the book of Colossians, chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me now in our gradual hymn.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And so she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken my Lord out of the tomb, and I don't know where they've put him. And the disciples started for the tomb. They were running. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. He stooped down to look into the tomb and saw the linen strips lying there, but he would not go in. Now Peter arrived and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head, lying off by itself to the side. Now the other disciple who arrived first, went into the tomb. He saw and he believed. You see, they didn't yet understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. And so the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping. And as she stooped over to look into the tomb, she saw two angels dressed in white seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said, they've taken my Lord out of the tomb and I don't know where they've put him. And then she turned and saw Jesus standing next to her, but she didn't understand that it was Jesus. He said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom is it you're seeking? And she, thinking he's the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you've taken him out of the tomb, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. And he said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but instead go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. And Mary came to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe this Easter morning that you inspired John to record these words. And that these words not only had power in the day that John wrote them, but these words have power this day, this Easter morning, because they were inspired by your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit. Open this word for us, perhaps as never before, that we would be changed more and more into the likeness of Jesus. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What does Easter promise us in the midst of so much death and uncertainty. I mean, Easter happened 2,000 years ago. And today our world is still facing death. The Bible 
goes on and on to declare Jesus has accomplished victory over death because of his resurrection. As Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, mocking death personified, says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 10, Paul goes on to say that Jesus has abolished death. And yet this Easter, we are facing the world's worst public health crisis in over a century. If I was still an atheist, I would be saying to the Christians, your resurrection myth doesn't seem to be any help against COVID-19. But here's the thing. The thing that I want us to be able to see as the church this Easter Sunday, more than anything else, is the truth that in the face of death, Easter does not promise to make us invincible. In the face of death, Easter does not promise to make us invincible or unhurt because there is real hurt and real harm and real death going on around us. But that the promise of Easter in the face of death is to make us brave. To make us brave. And of course, just as a side note, one of the ways that we can show bravery in the face of coronavirus is to find opportunities to still laugh together. There's an article in The Atlantic just this week encouraging people to laugh at the coronavirus. In no way downplaying the severity and the pain that real people are experiencing, but to recognize that laughter has an ability for us to connect to one another. That's what humor is, a connection between more than one person. But not only does laughter connect us, laughter also gives us the power to overcome. It declares that this virus, this pandemic, will not have the last laugh on us. Some of my favorite laughter moments in the midst of this crisis that have helped me get through this difficult season. One mom wrote on Twitter, the three weeks of isolation, and it's like Vegas in my house. We're losing money by the minute. Cocktails are acceptable at any hour, and no one knows what time it is. Another person wrote, truly the worst is still yet to come. Just wait until the Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses realize that we're all at home. Or my own personal favorite of my own, there have been moments when I have been so bored in these days that I've actually considered watching cats. The truth of Easter is that in the face of death, we are not promised to be invincible or unhurt, but we are promised to be brave. Brave because Jesus has raised us, raised us from the dead. If we are in Christ, Jesus has raised us. 
And that makes us brave. But not only has Jesus raised us, he's reconciled us. He's made our relationship with God right. But bravery comes from Easter, not just because Jesus has raised us and has reconciled us, but we're brave in the face of death because Easter means that Jesus has recreated us, recreated us in his own image for the sake of the world. See, in the face of death, Jesus will make us brave as he raises us. This Easter gospel makes us brave because he has raised us. Verse 1, we read, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been rolled away. It's interesting that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have their own ways of telling this Easter gospel. Each one of the New Testament gospel writers tells their own take on this Easter moment. But here's what each one includes. Each one begins and focuses their story on this empty tomb. Why? Because each one of the gospel writers wants to make it abundantly clear, centrally clear to you and I that this is no ghost sighting that Mary Magdalene and the disciples are seeing. No, they are witnessing and seeing and meeting and having fellowship with and eating with the bodily resurrected Jesus. The tomb is empty. It's why pilgrims to Jerusalem to this day for 2,000 years, this day will still line up for hours in Jerusalem at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, lining up for hours just to spend a few seconds kneeling and touching the place that is believed to have been the tomb of Jesus. Because in this place, a man overcame death, overcame that which comes at all of us, You see, pandemic or not, we are always facing death. We're always facing death. In one sense, nothing has really changed with this pandemic, except the pandemic has made our mortality seem so much more real. As C.S. Lewis wrote, writing about the context of the war, but insert the war with this pandemic, he says this, the present crisis creates no absolute new situation. It simply aggravates the present human situation so that we can no longer ignore it. We are all facing death all the time. And it is always there in our minds and our hearts. It is always there when we lay down our heads at nights, whether we are aware of it or not. It's like the man and his friends were discussing their funeral one day. And the question is at your funeral, what would you like to be heard said when you are laying in your casket? And the first man says, 
At my funeral, I would love to hear the words said, he was a great leader among men. And the second says, at my funeral, as I'm lying on my casket, I would love those words to be said, he was a great husband and a great father. And the third says, at my funeral, I would love to hear the words, look, I think he's moving. This is the truth of the world we live in, our mortality and our frailty, that death is always at hand. And yet in verse 16 of our text, two words change the whole world. Mary, Rabbi. When Mary not recognizing that it's Jesus raised from the dead standing with her, and and how could she recognize him? Was it because of the tears that she could not recognize Jesus? Was it because his appearance was somehow changed? Or was it the fact that Mary went to that tomb that morning with absolutely no possibility in her mind that she could see Jesus alive again? She momentarily does not recognize him until he says her name, Mary. And she hears that voice and she hears her name spoken on those lips that had said those name, that name so many times before. And she responds with his title, the name she called him again and again, Rabbi. Those words, two words, change everything about death for us. Because a man has overcome the grave. But friends, on this Easter, it's not just about the fact that Jesus has overcome his grave. As Peter says in Acts chapter 2, it was impossible for the grave to hold him, the Son of God. But what we need to remember on this Easter is that it's not just a declaration that Jesus is risen, but that in him we are raised too. Raised. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, hear these words, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And note, that these words here in Ephesians 2 are in the past tense. He's not saying Jesus will one day raise you from the dead. That's true. Yes, there is a day of resurrection coming, but Paul speaks again and again in the New Testament with these words in the past tense. He has raised you from the dead. If you're in Christ, you have had resurrection life breathed into your corpse of a dead body now. You are raised and seated with him now. As our reading from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, again, In the past tense, in this language of completed work, Paul says, if you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. As John Donne, one of the greatest English poets, and for 10 years the dean of St. Paul's Cathedral, a man who was dean of St. Paul's Cathedral in London, 
during a 10-year period when three times the Black Plague came through London, killing tens of thousands at a time, could write this because of Easter. Death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. The promise of Easter in the face of death is that we are brave because Jesus has raised us from the dead. That promise is already completed and spoken over us if we are in Christ. Security is found here. Bravery is found here. But not only in the face of death does Easter make us brave because Jesus has raised us, but in the face of death, Easter makes us brave because Jesus has reconciled us, has made us right with him and with the Father. In verse 17, it's an amazing word when Jesus telling Mary of his word to bring back to the disciples that he's about to ascend to the Father, says these words. He says, do not cling to me for I've not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Go to my brothers the entire gospel is in that word, brothers. Without this word, brothers, I don't know that the Easter news would have been that welcomed by the disciples. I mean, can you imagine Mary going back with the news that Jesus is raised from the dead without this word, brothers, spoken over them? Imagine what they might say to each other. He's risen. We abandoned him. Peter, you denied him three times. We are in so much trouble. But instead, Jesus, on the day of the resurrection, speaks of these abandoning, cowardly hearted, cold hearted, loveless friends and disciples. He calls them brothers. As Dale Bruner says, in this one word is crammed the whole gospel of forgiveness. For Jesus could have called his cowardly disciples a lot of other names. We know that when there is something separating us from another person, there is a deep desire for reconciliation. It's awful to be in a place of conflict and division. It's awful to live through that sense of isolation and separation because of sin between us. A parishioner complained to me early on in this coronavirus season when I sent out one of my pastoral directives 
uh, before we had closed the campus about if when we come to church that we need to socially distance one another and not touch each other during the passing of the peace and the rest. And this parishioner wrote back to me and said, thanks so much, Father Paul. Ever since you gave your pastoral word about social distancing, my wife won't come near me. We need to be reconciled with one another. But how much more do we need to be reconciled with God? To know that we are right with God, who has seen it all, who knows it all, who's aware of everything broken within us. Easter declares that while we were once enemies with God, we have now been reconciled because of what Jesus has won for us on the cross. That's what that word brothers means. You are forgiven. Your sin has been atoned for, has been paid for. You are okay. You're more than okay with God. You are justified because of Jesus' sacrifice. Peter, years later, reflecting on the words of Isaiah 53, will write these words in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. He, that is Jesus, himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but now you've returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Because we've been reconciled, because we are right with God, it makes us brave, not just that we are raised from the dead, but that we now have a standing and an assurance and a place before Almighty God because of what Jesus has won for us. Those words from Romans chapter 8 that are so often used in the context of a funeral service. Verse 35 This is bravery because of reconciliation, because of our standing before God. Paul says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written, oh, how to read these words this day, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This is where bravery comes from the Easter gospel. Not just because Jesus has raised us, but he's reconciled us. We are right with God. But finally, in the face of death, Easter makes us brave because Jesus has recreated us. Again, that word brothers 
in verse 17 doesn't just mean reconciliation and forgiveness. It's also about a new identity, about recreation. We are not the same because of Easter. We have been born again. We have been reformed. We have been recreated to be like Jesus. It's not just what we've been saved from, but what we are saved for, to be like our brother Jesus. Yes, that's the language of our brother Jesus. Romans 8, 29. For those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus, might be the first among many brothers and sisters. That we now have been made, recreated. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Whoever's in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We have been recreated to be part of the family of God. Brothers and sisters of our elder brother Jesus. To share his likeness. And yes, to share his mission. We're given a family resemblance so that we can share in the family business. To be like him in this world. It's like the two kids that are fighting over the last piece of Easter candy on Easter morning. And the mother jumps in and says, teachable moment, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do if there was just one piece of candy left? And the little sister says to her brother, okay, this morning, you be Jesus. The call is for us to be like him. As we carry on reading in John 20, in verse 21, Jesus, standing there resurrected on the evening of the resurrection, will say to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. As Jesus was sent into the world by the Father to bring hope and life to a world facing death, now we, the church, have not just been raised from the dead, have not just been reconciled, but have been recreated for that same mission and purpose. Not to be the savior of the world. Jesus has that covered solely and exclusively. But to be heralds of this news to be living examples in this world of what it looks like when a human being has been recreated into the image of Jesus, to stand before the gates of hell and death bravely, speaking the gospel over this world. Because it's what we've been recreated for. Friends, in this moment, in this season, this is what we have been recreated for, to be citizens of the kingdom of heaven who live out a hope and a faith and a love before our neighbors and before our communities because we know that death has been overcome. That in the face of death, we live as heralds of hope. That's what bravery in this time means. It's going to look different for each and every one of us. 
the way in this season we are called to be heralds of this Easter gospel, to live bravely in the face of death. I close with this story of some parishioners in Ottawa. They were good friends. They were members of our small group. And I got a call one day that they had had a very bad ultrasound. They were several months pregnant. And they got the news that they should come in and have a battery of other tests done because of what looked like a very bad ultrasound. And when the doctor had sat down with them, the reason they phoned me is they said, we're sitting in our doctor's office and we need our priest because the doctor has told us that there are going to be enormous complications with this child and the child may not even live very long when this child is born and the doctor is pressuring us and pushing us to terminate the pregnancy. And we need you to be with us to pray and stand for life. And we did. And they refused to terminate the pregnancy. They stood for hope in a world facing death. And I could stop the story right there. That would be enough. Because I know many couples who have faced similar situations. And that's been the end of the story. A tragic end and yet a hopeful living for the gospel in the face of death. But the story didn't end there because several months later, the baby was born and the baby came out totally healthy. The tests were wrong. Totally wrong. Not every story ends this way. But as a declaration and a sign of their commitment to life in the face of death, do you know what they named their son? They named him Ransom. Because that is what he is, ransomed from the grave. <laughs> what does Easter promise us in the midst of so much death and uncertainty? In the face of death, Easter doesn't promise to make us invincible, does not promise to make us unhurt or unscathed in this hard season. Many are dying and many will continue to die in these hard days. In the face of death, Easter does promise to make us brave. Because Easter declares that Jesus has raised us. Raised us from the dead. That completed work of resurrection is promised and sealed on us in our baptism. That he has reconciled us. That we stand right before God. Everything can be going wrong in my life. Even facing down my death. And I know that my father in heaven and I are right because of Jesus. And Easter makes us brave because Easter means he's recreated us to be like him. In the power of the Holy Spirit to be a people who herald life and hope and gospel for the sake of the world that is facing death. Julian of Norwich 
had famous words that she wrote in the 14th century. Again, words that were written in the context of the Black Plague coming through her hometown of Norwich and wiping out probably half of its inhabitants. So this is not sentimental optimism. This is instead a commitment to the truth of the Easter gospel when she writes these words, all shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. This is the bravery that Easter promises. And this is the bravery that our world facing death so desperately needs to see in the church. Alleluia, Christ is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.
On this glorious day of resurrection, let us confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Praying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. As we come to our intercessions, after each intercession, there'll be a moment of silence for you to fill that silence with your own prayers, followed by Lord in your mercy, to which you're invited to respond Hear our prayer. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, on this Easter day, we rejoice that we can gather with Christians around this world and those before your throne of grace as we worship you and praise you for the glorious salvation you have won for us in your Son, Jesus Christ. Come, Holy Spirit, now and teach us how to pray this Easter morning. We pray for your church. We pray that in the midst of these difficult days, we as your church would know with wisdom and with grace how to stand with a world facing death and destruction and despair. Give us the words Give us the courage. Give us the love that you have created us in us for the sake 
of this world. Let us pray for the church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we pray for those you've set in authority in this world. For both those in the church and in our government, we pray for our archbishop and our bishops and our church leaders. We pray for our president, for our governor, for those who lead us locally, first responders, our medical workforce. Oh Lord, protect them and guide them. For the scientists and those researchers that are seeking to bring us through this season with a cure and a vaccine. And Lord, for those who are educating We're upholding our homes and our workplaces. Give us wisdom and grace as we lead. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Father, we pray for this world, this world which you love. This world you created, but this world that fell from grace in sin and rebellion. This world that is living through the pain and the agony of a creation that has been subjected to futility because of our sin. And Lord, a world that you are redeeming through your son. We pray for the world. We pray that this virus would come to an end, that Jesus would tread it down under his feet, that you would give us release and new life and hope Lord, save your world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And Father, finally, we raise before you the names of those who are in this hour in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity. We ask for their safety, for their healing, and for their salvation. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, we remember before you those who have faithfully departed this life. We thank you for the witness that they are for us as we walk our journey of faith. And Lord, we long for that day when we will be reunited with them on the day of resurrection. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And so let us, knowing our frailty and our need, humbly confess our sins to Almighty God. Praying together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry 
and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Hear these words of absolution. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn unto him, have mercy upon you, pardon and deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, let us as the church join together in that act which we can only enjoy with those immediately present with us this morning in our homes and yet spiritually are enjoying between our homes and throughout this world and most importantly with our Father in heaven. The peace of the Lord be always with you and also with you. Let's share that peace with those who are with us in this time of isolation. As we come to now the end of our service this Easter morning, many have asked how they can be involved in this season. How we as the church can bravely move forward with acts of love and kindness for our world. And I want to suggest to you three things this morning that you and I and all of us can do in this season. First of all, that we can seek to satisfy the deep spiritual needs of those around us as we share the resources that Christ Church Plano has made available online. Our online services like this, our weekday podcasts with evening prayer, our studies, and all the other opportunities we have to gather together online in worship and study in this season. But secondly, there are many who are asking, how do we care for those who are the least of these in this time? And we encourage folks to consider contacting, donating, even when volunteer opportunities eventually open up once this crisis passes with our local food banks. This is a vital service that we, the church, can be involved in. But finally, the third way that you can be involved and active and bravely moving out in this season is for you to continue to give, to give to Christ Church Plano. Because here's why. We have opportunity now and we will have growing opportunity in the days and weeks and months to come to meet the benevolence needs of those in our community and those outside of our community who come to us. And your giving enables and empowers us to bless people who become unemployed and hungry and in great need in this season ahead. Continue to give generously as God calls you so that we as the church 
can care for those needs around us. I'm so glad that you've joined us for worship this Easter Sunday. My prayer is that you will continue to join us Sunday after Sunday and midweek for our services as this crisis continues and as good neighbors, we continue to stay isolated for the sake of the world. But I pray that for you and your loved ones this day, that you will be brave with the Easter gospel, that you will be encouraged to live in hope in the midst of these dark days knowing that Jesus has overcome all that comes against us. This is what our hallelujahs mean on this Easter morning. Receive this word of benediction. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us sing together our final Easter hymn of praise.
Alleluia, alleluia. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia.